Hey, how's it going everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 59 of the Essential X Labs, where it's uh, it's gonna be a pretty weird one today, gang. Um, I am just getting back from the dentist, where I just spent the past couple of hours um, having a crown put in. And, uh, boy, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, this probably isn't the best time to do this, but um, unfortunately it's the only time I have to do this, because the rest of the day is just packed with stuff. I had initially planned on having this recorded and uploaded and all that sort of stuff uh, before my dentist appointment, but, uh, well, it didn't work out that way. Usually, uh, I can count on my dogs to wake me up at about a quarter to five in the morning. Uh, I've, I've mentioned before that I generally like to have this podcasting stuff out of the way before, you know, before sunrise, before the day actually starts. Well... Today of all days, um, well, they, they woke me up at 7.30, so I was uh, already like two and a half, three hours off by the time I woke up, and left me very little time to do much of anything before I had to be into the dentist's office, so I managed to get my script done, and uh, I was able to grab a shower, but I was not able to record and... Uh, a few other things I wanted to try to get done this morning. I wanted to get into the gym. I wanted to uh, I wanted to get some shopping done. I wanted to get some stuff out of the way before the day began. And, uh, well, it didn't happen. So here we are. I'm going to be uh, clenching my way through this one. Hopefully, during the course of this episode, I'll, I'll maybe my mouth will loosen up a little bit. Hopefully not too much, but uh, enough to where... I don't know. I, I'll have to listen back to see how bad this sounds, if it sounds bad at all. I... I this might sound normal. Maybe I always sound this terrible, and uh, <laughs> all I'm doing now is drawing attention to it. So yeah, this is uh, well, this is where we're at. Um, I thought the dentist appointment was only going to take about an hour today. Um, last time I had a crown put in, it took an hour, maybe a little bit more. Uh, this time, though, it was a little bit of a different experience. Um, not only am I doing this for the first time where I'm undergoing like real, real bad allergies... So, you know, you know, like that big gimmick they put in your mouth to keep your mouth open, you know, so you don't, uh, I guess, so you don't get in the way, your tongue doesn't get in the way, whatever it is. So they shove that thing in my mouth, and that's all well and good. They do that every time. But this time, due to the fact that I'm dealing with some pretty severe allergies, well, I have the thing in my mouth, I can't breathe through my mouth, and even at the best of times during the past couple of weeks, I can't breathe through my nose. So it was like two hours of... Uh, a waterboarding, sort of. I mean, not the fault of the dentist. I have a wonderful dentist. It's just my allergies plus that mouth thing. Didn't make for a pleasant experience. And also, I think I developed a, uh, a mutant power in that every time they tried to retract my gums, my gums would automatically just pop right back onto the tooth. So, Or the stub of the tooth that was left before the crown was put on. So I have um, superhuman gums, I guess, which really... Uh, <laughs> really gummed up the works, no pun intended. But um, with all that out of the way here, I'll quit talking because uh, talking is certainly it's not my uh, not my forte in the best of times, much less today. So without further ado, let's uh, wrap up our uh, well, it's not a trilogy. I don't remember how many parts this was. I'm I apologize. I'm <laughs> just I'm not doing well today. Um, we talked about Magneto a lot lately on the Essential Show, and today we're going to be wrapping it up here. Um, this is Avengers number 53. Had a June 1968 cover date. The story is called In Battle Joined, 
Written by Roy Thomas with pencils by John Buscema. Inks George Tusca. Letters Artie Simic. Edit Stan Lee. Cover price 12 cents. And uh, this one, uh, you, you would recognize it if you saw it here. It has uh, the X-Men charging at the Avengers. And we've got, like, Warren in the middle. It's, it's a very, very iconic cover. They actually used it as a... One of those Marvel Legacy lenticulars, which I did buy. I just don't remember which issue it was, because those lenticulars sucked. Y'all remember those? You remember those uh, Marvel Legacy uh, lenticulars that you had to... Like, you kind of had to, like, con yourself into getting a copy of because of all the weird parameters that Marvel put around ordering them. It's like, okay, well, if you want the lenticular of this, you need to order 500 copies of Moon Girl, which, like, nobody wants. So, it's very, very strange times, but... I did manage to get my hands on this one. I just don't remember which book it was. Uh, it might have been an Avengers book. I, I really don't know. Anyway, let's get into it here. Now, we pick up right where we left off in X-Men number uh, 45, with the Avengers finding Cyclops stood over the fallen Quicksilver. Now, Hawkeye thankfully assures us that we are, in fact, looking at the Avengers and not Strawberry Alarm Clock. Though uh, the scent of his incense and peppermint cologne does make things... A little bit more confusing than it ought to be. And now, hopefully, that song can replace Onyx's Slam in my head. Uh, it's like the thing that's on repeat. I don't know why the song Slam by Onyx has been in my head the entire day. I, I don't think I've given that song a second thought since, like, 1993. But here we are, and I, it's just in my head, pounding over and over again. Anyway, now, the Avengers automatically assume that Cyclops is the baddie here, since uh, Pietro was a member of their team for quite a while. Black Panther, however, says not to attack the youth unless he resists. So, uh, what do you all think Cyclops is about to do? Well, since he, for whatever reason, immediately believes these Avengers are robots of Magneto, he blasts Clint's bow right out of his mitts. And he also informs these robo-Avengers that nobody, and thus Scott means nobody, tells an X-Man what to do. T'Challa then lunges at Cyclops, palming his face and visor. He alerts the rest of the crew that this teenager has control studs in his gloves to uh, control his visor. Then he smashes Scott's head into the ground, killing him. Okay, well, no, he's not, he's not dead, but an attack with such impact probably should have left more of a mark than it ultimately did. Now, Scott, he's still certain that this is all a ruse, the way, uh, you know, this is the way Magneto is going to recapture him. Which, I mean, how about we play that out here? Um, now, Magneto, the whole, the whole gimmick, the whole theme of this issue is that Magneto is very, very self-assured, and he really likes, um, he likes, you know, the pomp of his own circumstance here. So, if that is the case, and that is the Magneto we're getting here, then why would he go to the trouble of sicking a bunch of robot Avengers on Cyclops instead of just attacking and recapturing him himself? I guess it was the Silver Age. Uh, you know, back then, someone like Magneto would spend a million dollars creating a robot in order to steal a thousand dollars from a bank. So, what are you going to do? Anyway, Panther, assuring our hero that their quarrel isn't with him, insists that Scott lead them to Magneto. To which Cyclops responds with a full-bodied optic blast. Didn't T'Challa already neutralize the visor controls on his gloves? I mean, otherwise, why even mention them? It's like, hey, this is cool, but we're not going to stop. Oh, well. Now, our man then makes fun of uh, Hank Pym's constant name changes and zaps the floor out from under him. Scott is still not sure if these are the real McCoys, but that is going to have to wait because, well, it's time to head into flashback land. 
And so we jump back all the way back to 60 minutes ago when we meet Marvel's sensational character find in 1968, Seymour the Skydiver. Yes, gang, the Seymour the Skydiver. Now you see, all Seymour is, <laughs> he's skydiving, what else is he going to do? And he's up so high that he thinks to himself that the only thing he might bump into up here is an angel. You see where this is going, right? Yes, yeah, so this is the story of how Angel made it to Avengers Mansion. Now, Seymour comments that uh, he's going to file a complaint with the aeronautics board about this. And I gotta assume he didn't survive the jump, otherwise somebody would have surely followed up on this, right? No, pr- probably not. Anyway, so Angel makes it to the mansion, where inside, old Bowslinger and Man Mountain are watching TV. And yeah, they're still calling each other by these annoying nicknames. Suddenly, an alarm sounds, informing them that there's an intruder trying to break in. Goliath calls out to a recovering Black Panther to let him know that it's time for his first official Avengers mission, which is stopping whoever it is trying to break into the mansion. And naturally, it's, it's Warren Worthington. And he's immediately trapped in an electrified beam cage and without a vibrator anywhere within reach. So, too bad. Uh, Pym then orders Angel be released so he might ask what his beef is. He also makes some comments about not trusting him all that much, which is an indication of the old-fashioned fear and hate. Angel picks up on this right away, and he mutters to himself that uh, perhaps Pietro had the right idea after all in dumping these turkeys and joining back up with Magneto. Now, T'Challa, hearing the word Magneto, he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's exactly who we're currently looking for. By, you know, sitting around Avengers Mansion watching soap operas. I don't know, maybe they were hoping Magneto would deliver them a pizza or something? I really don't know. Anyway, Wari makes fun of T'Challa's zoot suit before agreeing to take the Avengers to Magneto, also Wanda and Pietro. Now, he says that they gotta fly over the Atlantic to get there, which... You know, when I think of the Bermuda Triangle, I picture the Caribbean, but no, in fact, it is, you know, in the Atlantic somewhere, so... I was gonna, like, go into a whole screed on that, but it would have been wrong to do so, so I won't. Pym then shouts for the Avengers to assemble, which draws out Wasp and Hawkeye, who I thought was already in the room with them, but I guess not. And so they head. Now, we find out here that Angel not only has the wings of a bird, but he also has the sense of direction of a bird. So, is he a birdman, or is he a mutant? Roy don't know, nor does Roy care. Anyway, within one half hour, the Avengers arrive at Island M, which is shockingly good time, right? Now, as they begin their approach, Wasp notices something odd amid Warren's feathers, and it's an electronic bug. T'Challa takes this to mean that Angel is in cahoots with Magneto. So yes, it's, it's one of these stories, and uh, we're not even close to being done with it yet. Goliath restrains Angel, who sadly doesn't have the strength of a bird. I don't know. Hawkeye calls Pym Tall Socks, which, uh, come on. Can we, can we not? Just, 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 I, I guess Pym changes his name so often. Tall Socks may have been his official Avengers name at one point, but, uh, meh, okay. Moving on, and hey, you remember last issue, last episode, actually, uh, X-Men 45, where Stan made sure we noticed that trick arrow in the wall? Well, there's a reason for that, because it's here that Hawkeye done planted it. Which is a pretty amazing payoff, right? So, here's the thing. This trick arrow was one of uh, the video camera variety, so our Avengers are able to check out Cyclops and Pietro having their chat that happened during the end of last chapter. Unfortunately, or I suppose fortunately in that it facilitates the upcoming scene, this camera arrow doesn't appear to have a mic on it, so you can't catch any sound. 
So all they see is Scott and Pietro yucking it up like old pals, so they don't know what it is they're actually talking about. And, well, if you're coming in fresh, maybe you only listen to episodes where I talk about issues of Avengers, I don't know. Uh, Back in that issue, Quicksilver was appealing to Cyclops in order to get him to join up with Magneto's sovereign mutant island nation. And Cyclops, uh, unsurprisingly, or I suppose surprisingly given current day stuff, uh, he refused this. But the Avengers don't know any of that. Now, we get one last look at Warren, who's been chained up in the Avengers jet, or tied up, I suppose, uh, before returning all the way to the present, where we've got Magneto and Toad cutting it up. Now, Magneto is pleased that the Avengers have arrived because they, quote, took his bait. You see, he wanted Angel to lead them here. And also, he planted that bug on Angel's wings during his escape, which he, of course, wanted the Avengers to notice so that none of the good guys would be able to trust one another. So, you know, divide and conquer and all that. Now, Wanda either enters the room or has just been standing there silently the entire time. It really doesn't matter. Uh, All she's doing is worrying about her brother. Toad makes an unpopular suggestion to his master, and, uh, well, yes, it's unpopular, but it's actually the smartest one yet. Now, he suggests that uh, this whole endeavor here might just blow up in their faces, and he wonders why Magneto couldn't just be satisfied capturing their real enemies, the X-Men. And, uh, well, this gets him backhanded into a wall, and... You know, punishment fits the crime, right? Toad asks why Magneto always treats him so. To which, our big bad informs him that, uh, well, Toad's useless. I mean, what good are Toad's froggy powers to a man such as Magneto? And I mean, he has a point, yes. Though, as a sycophantic lackey, I don't think he could do much better than old Mort. I mean, he's covering for Magneto even to this very day. And I won't say any more at the risk of spoiling things. Now, Wanda attempts to comfort the Toad, which is probably just leading him on and not a good idea. Now, we learn here via thought balloons that her hex powers are completely gone, and she dare not let Magneto find out. We jump back to the Avengers, and, uh, well, in the word of Tracy Kins, things are about to get stupid. Now, this is happening after the fight with Cyclops, and I guess Cyclops managed to escape, though that isn't made entirely clear just yet. Uh, Goliath helps Hawkeye up to his feet, but Clint swats him away. This leads to a fight scene? Like a stupid, pointless, inane fight scene between Hank, Clint, and T'Challa. Uh, okay. Now, after our friends take turns tackling and throwing each other into walls, the Wasp breaks in to settle some tea kettles. She tells them that they're going to have to wait about 40 years before they can start fighting other heroes willy-nilly, And maybe today they should just focus on their real enemy, Magneto. Speaking of whom, well, uh, well, he's seen this sad little Avengers implosion scene play out, and uh, is beyond giddy, and it seems as though none of the good guys are on the same page here. Now here, we learn Magneto's true intentions for this outing, and, uh, well, talk about a Silver Age Dagwood sandwich. Um, Now you see, his whole plan here, which has been playing out over the past few issues of X-Men, was to capture and destroy the Avengers. Okay. Magneto loads himself into a gaudy-looking cluster of Kirby tech in order to weaken the mental resistance of the X-Men. Because, you see, he's going to use the X-Men to destroy the Avengers via beaming electronic commands at them. Okay. Now, Mags is sure that by now Cyclops has freed the rest of the X-Men because, well, that was his plan all along. I guess. Um, I mean... If we're trying to tell a riveting story that keeps us guessing, 
it's gotta, at the very least, make an attempt at a bit more linear sense than this. I mean, Roy, you're not slipping one past the goalie here if you just keep making up the rules as we go along. All right, from here, let's let's go just meet up with the X-Men again. Let's catch back up. And uh, it looks like Magneto was right. Somebody get that printed on a T-shirt, quick. And uh, Cyclops has, in fact, freed his fellow Xers. Just then, bada-bing, bada-doy, uh, the electronic commands hammer our heroes, and they suddenly decide that it's Avengers season. Now, none of them can remember quite why they hate the Avengers, only that they do, and that sounds very familiar, because that's pretty much how I feel about the Avengers. I don't know why I hate them, but I, I just kind of do. And then, as luck would have it, the Avengers managed to catch up to our uncanny teens, and so, well, it's fight time. And what follows here is four pages of back and forth between our teams of heroes. The X-Men are still, like, rabidly on the attack, and the Avengers only try and defend themselves. Because, well, this is their book, and uh, Roy Thomas clearly likes them better. Then, Magneto's electronic command machine shuts off. But how? Well, Magneto goes to find out, and he discovers the Angel. Wari punches Magneto and Toad. Then, Goliath and T'Challa Kool-Aid man their way into Magneto's secret lair... And it's here that we learn that... Oh, boy. Okay, well, the Avengers knew that the Angel's bug was a plant. So they only tied him up loosely. Then Wasp shrunk down and whispered the plan into Warren's ear. Then the Avengers pretended to quarrel? Why? I mean... Does this make any sense? Okay. Magneto then... (laughs) He hits Toad again. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> they're, they're, they're laying this mistreatment of the toad on pretty thick, aren't they? Uh, I wonder if it's going to pay off, like, in a page and a half. I guess we'll find out together. So, yeah, he hits Toad while commanding him to engage the self-destruct protocol of Island M. At this point, however, Mort's had enough. And instead of blowing the place up, he dials things up to 11, which will blow the place up anyway. Huh? Okay. So from here, Toad finds and leads the Maximoffs to a secret escape craft. Meanwhile, Magneto drops into a very convenient hatch in the floor, which... Alright, we're at the end of the issue. It's the Silver Age, so it probably goes without saying that um, we're past the point where Mr. Busem is going to try to put backgrounds into all the panels. <laughs> we're, we're just at, like, flat color backgrounds at this point. So, um, yeah, this, this looks... Uh, this panel in particular looks both conf- confusing and, and quite ridiculous. It's just like a, pa- a a hatch in the middle of nothing. So before we move on here, I got a question. Um, I thought Cyclops KO'd Quicksilver. Like, that's how the issue started. That's how last issue ended. Are we meant to believe that the Avengers just, like, left him lying there? I, I mean, with someone like Pietro, the Avengers have, like, two options, right? They either rescue him as, you know, a teammate of theirs, a friend, or... They do what they did to Warren, and they tie him up. You know, they didn't. They don't trust him, so they tie him up. But apparently, no. They just left him there. Okay. Uh, anyway, we rejoin Magneto as he attempts to board the Toad's special ship. Now, Toad ain't fitting to wait for his former master, so uh, Magneto leaps toward this jet before realizing that the craft is non-metallic, so his magnetic powers won't work on it. And you see, they were non-metallic because Magneto, he's kind of hoist by his own petard here. He wanted to see if he could create something like this, and, uh, well, it turns out that he could, much to, uh, much to his ultimate dismay. Now, he manages to get one paw onto the ship, 
which the toad then stomps on, which sends the Master of Magnetism plopping into the chop below. Then the Avengers and the X-Men spend a single panel escaping the place before the whole island goes boom, or raccoon, rather. And we close out on silent seas with the sight of Magneto's helmet bobbing around in the drink. And that is where we leave it. Next episode, we have something a little bit different. A little bit, uh, it's still going to be essential, but it's going to, actually, you know, essential as in it's part of the, the show, essential. Um, not so much as the dictionary definition of essential, I assure you, because it's, uh, it's most definitely not. But I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be a fun little aside. And uh, I don't know. It's something I came across in a bin and uh, decided I uh, wanted to kind of talk about. So we will do that next time. And then uh, when we get back to uh, the main X-Men book here, I think we are on the eve of uh, the team getting dismantled by the FBI. So looking forward to that, because the disassembled team is kind of the last step before things sort of kind of come together and uh, work a little bit better than than a lot of these recent issues have. Uh, This is where we're going to meet... We'll we'll eventually be meeting Havoc and Polaris. Uh, We'll get... uh, Neil Adams in the uh, artist chair. It's it's going to be some pretty good times, or at least interesting to discuss times. But first, we got to get through the disassembled team, and uh, well, we will be starting that after the special whatever the hell I'm doing next episode. But um, what do we have to say about this book? Um, hmm. Uh, well, <laughs> it wasn't as it wasn't as nothing happening as the past few issues of X-Men have been, but it was very, very dumb. Um, I, you know, I probably overused the phrase Dagwood Sandwich, but so many things that happened in this issue, like, they made no sense. They were just, like, piled one on top of the other, but ultimately that was everybody's plan at the end of the day. I, I just don't get it. Like, capturing the X-Men... Magneto was going to kill the X-Men a couple of issues back. He said he was going to kill them immediately until Quicksilver told him that he probably shouldn't. But that was Magneto's plan all along, not to kill the X-Men and instead use them to lure the Avengers to let, let one of them escape. To lure the Avengers here. And then use his mind ray on the X-Men so then the X-Men could kill the Avengers. Huh? I, I mean, I, I know... Convenience is definitely a thing in the Silver Age, but I really don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. It's uh, kind of all over the place. I'm, I'm glad it's over. You know, Magneto is finally dead. We'll never, ever have to deal with him again, so at least there's that. We have some finality here, but I digress. Um, I will say that uh, Roy Thomas seems a lot more uh, interested and amped about writing Avengers stories than he ever did X-Men stories. It seems, it, it's it's very, very plain, at least to me, I could be projecting, but um, I feel like his time on the X-Men was just kind of cashing a paycheck, whereas his time on Avengers was something he really, like, dug his teeth into and enjoyed. But anyway, I think that's about all I have to say about this one. Uh, maybe over the next few hours I'll think of more things to say as my mind starts to clear up a little bit, <laughs> and uh, if that is the case, I can't make any promises, but if it is the case, we'll we'll discuss more of it later, but... I would, of course, love to hear your thoughts on this, on this uh, extended Magneto storyline that ate up a whole lot of pages in two different books. See if uh, see if you guys dug that, see if you hated it. I'd, I'd love to talk about it with you. And, of course, you all know how to get a hold of me if, in fact, you decide to. And 
frankly, my mind is uh, not in a place where I can actually recite those sites, but uh, it, it's all in the show notes. So <laughs> if you have the show notes handy, well, then you'll you'll know how to get a hold of me. And I mean, frankly, I know there's very, very few people on this planet who have any interest in getting a hold of me. So I'm probably just wasting what little of my mind I have left today asking for it. But um, yes, you know how to get a hold of me if you decide to. And of course, I would like to thank you all so much for sharing a little bit of this weird day with me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.